What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 10 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin. We're going to recap all things baseball when it comes to free agency with owners stealing players to players being reinstated out of nowhere. And finally, the World Baseball Classic coming up here in March. We're starting to hear about the rosters. We're starting to hear who's going to be coming and how excited we are to see hopefully one of the best matchups in the history of baseball. But Let's start by checking in with our co-host, Christian Myers. Him and I are both on PTO, feeling good. How are we doing, buddy? Dude, we're doing good. We had a nice freezing cold day here in Denver yesterday with a high of negative one. And today, things are starting to warm up. I think it's eight degrees outside. So we've got a little heat wave coming through and just getting ready for the holidays. So we are doing fantastic today. Yes, I'm doing much better than people in airports right now. I can tell you that. I, did you see the line at O'Hare? See that video? Um, yeah, I oh mean, my God. I had yeah my I was supposed to fly out this afternoon, and that flight got canceled. So I've been scrambling trying to find another one, but I can figure that out later. You're on AZ, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be able to find something. I have a buddy that's going to Pakistan, which is just wild. I'm really excited to hear about his journey, but his flight to London already got canceled mm. because he has to go to London. In fact, it's crazy. But let's not talk airlines. Let's talk baseball. And let's talk Steve Cohen. Pastor Steve, I've heard Lord Cohen. I've heard some other nicknames for him. Out of nowhere, out of nowhere, the Mets have signed Carlos Correa after issues in regards to the contract that was signed between the Giants and Correa that wasn't actually technically officially signed, but his medical records or medical review did not come back positive in the eyes of the Giants. And next thing you know, Cohen is on a beach in Hawaii making deals at 6 o'clock to, at night after a couple martinis. And now he's added Carlos Correa for 12 years at $315 million. Now, I did see on here, Christian, I saw some inside notes on what happened. Um, it looked to be just some miscommunication and some other issues that uh, seemed to happen. Basically, once they found out that there was going to be a uh, postponement of his uh, media day or his uh, signing day, uh, Boris and him got to work immediately. So now Correa joins his longtime friend, Francisco Lindor. Correa has acknowledged that he'll be playing third base for the Mets. So now the Mets have the potential to have a couple things. One, obviously win a World Series. Two, have an infield that starts the NL All-Star game. And three, they still are absolutely loaded on the backside when it comes to the farm system. But Christian, when you're looking at it from a farm system standpoint, you're looking at it from those players, are you a little pissed off by what's going on? If my name was Brett Beatty, yeah, I'd be really pissed off about what's going on. I mean, this dude was right on the cusp of coming up. He's been one of the more highly touted prospects in that system for the last few years. And now they bring Correa over and flop him in right there at third, which takes away really your chance to make any kind of significant impact unless guys get hurt. For the other guys lower down in the the farm system, I'm maybe not too worried about it just because I think that with what the Mets have done this offseason, I think they're putting themselves in about a four-year window to win a World Series or maybe win multiple World Series. 
And so if I'm one of those guys who's maybe 18, 19, 20, um, even 21 or 22 years old, you know, waiting four years and getting to polish yourself up even more in the minors and not come up to the big leagues while yes, it's not ideal because of course everybody wants to get up there as quickly as possible. But now you get to really put yourself in a position to come in as a rookie in maybe 2026, 20, 27 and shine a little bit more than maybe you would have if you got rushed up now. So while it's not, it's probably something that those minor league guys are looking at thinking, well, you know, there goes my parade that I was looking forward to having. Now you kind of, if you look long-term at things and put it into a little bit smaller uh, peripheral there, you can maybe think, all right, well, this actually could play out well for me because by that time they've got all these guys coming off the books and who knows if this big, uh, this big money grab that they've been doing doesn't work for them. Maybe they shift into a different direction and want to go a little bit cheaper and just promote from within instead of, going out in free agency and trying to grab the most expensive players as possible. Yeah. Cause right now you got Pete Alonzo and Jeff McNeil coming off the books uh, after 2024. So those will be two guys that they look to resign. And obviously right now, what you and I discussed the other day was it just seems like Cohen obviously is willing to spend whatever he needs to spend in order to keep a lot of these guys. But you look at some of the other players that are coming off the books, Eduardo Escobar, Omar Navarez, Mark Canna, Jose Quintana. So while many people think that a lot of this, a lot of these contracts are, they're obviously ridiculous when it comes to money, but I think Cohen really truly has a plan here because guys signed beyond 2025 are obviously guys that are, are there ARB guides or they're going to be Justin Verlander, who's a 2025 guy and or is gone after that year. Um, let's see here. Frankie Lindor, Edwin Diaz, Brandon Nimmo, Kodai Singa. And Kodai Singa can potentially be gone after 2025. So basically, like 2025 comes around, they're going to have a lot of money in the books to be able to sign some of these guys back. So, you know, while we could be bashing in regards to what they're going to be doing for the future, I mean, looking at it, man, they're going to have a ton of money to be able to spend and they're going to potentially still have a lot of these farm guys coming up. So I'm interested to see, do they go in the direction of, um, we're just going to keep spending, 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 or now we're going to give a little bit more of this time period where our minor league guys can really, truly develop and get ready to go for potentially 2025. So interested to see what the Mets do there. On the flip side, as a Cub fan, super, super excited. Dansby Swanson, seven years for 177. My eyes, my favorite decision the Cubs have made since the John Lester signing. Um, they have gone out. They've got a guy that knows how to win, has won a World Series, has that emotional connection that I know you wanted to talk about, Christian. But really, at the end of the day, now they now solidify their middle infield for the future. They need to obviously extend Nico Horner probably either this year or next. Now they can focus on the corner positions. they got a guy like Matt Mervis coming up right now, hit 35 bombs last year in the minor leagues, a guy that is really, really highly touted by a lot of people in that organization so hopefully he can become our full-time first baseman uh on the third base side hopefully by next year they're able to go after some free agents that hopefully they'll extend Ian Happ now they got guys like Brennan Davis Pete Crow Armstrong coming up and then they of course got Suzuki over in right field they also signed Tucker Barnhart um so they got Barnhart and Jan Gomes behind the dish now they can really start to focus on getting guys at certain positions for the future rather than wondering what is the overall plan so the Cubs now starting to build up their pitching rotation. They got like 12 arms. They could potentially pitch this year on the starting rotation. Um, 
and they're able to now start to facilitate what they want to do. So I'm super excited. I'm getting his jersey as soon as I absolutely can. But Christian, your thoughts on the signing? It's a great signing for the Cubs. I mean, you're getting, you know, you get Dansby, who, like you said, has that emotional connection that he talked about the other day at his press conference and his media release. And it's it's really cool. I mean, he's a guy who, um, unlike some of the other big names that were on the market, this free agency, he is a guy who's willing to take that deal and go to a team where he knows they're they might not necessarily be in contention for the playoffs right away, but I think he sees the bigger picture there and over time knows that with guys who they could build around him in the lineup and what they have started to do a little bit on the pitching side um, with the Jamison Tyone signing is they're, they've shown that they want to become competitive soon and again, while it's probably not going to be this year, Dansby seems like he's willing to wait it out and just see what happens. And whether it's guys like Mervis, like you mentioned, who are coming up through the organization or guys like Cody Bellinger that they pulled in and could, if he has a good year, could potentially be a mainstay there in Chicago as well. Um, and I think once the Cubs kind of figure out what exactly this rebuild's going to look like, over the next couple of years centered around probably Dansby since that's their biggest contract on the books right now. I think it could be a really nice thing for the Cubs and for Dansby. And also with Dansby just being, you know, the guy that he portrays to be, I think it'd be awesome if the Cubs are able to at least get back into world series contention within the next couple of years while he's still in his prime. Yep, yep. I mean, the Cubs—they got a lot of—they got a lot of money to spend. Um, they just re-signed Drew Smiley, which I love. Uh, them bringing in a guy that really was a solid arm for them last year, but really, when it comes to 2025, just like the Mets, the Cubs are going to have a lot of room to do some things, and a lot of their arb guys um, are going to need to be signed here by 25, 26. So they're really setting themselves up for the future. So I'm super excited. Now, looking at the Giants, obviously, with this whole controversy that happened with Carlos Correa swapping teams out of nowhere, shout out Scott Boris. The Giants have now lost uh, on Carlos Correa, Aaron Judge, Bryce Harper, and I believe there was one other player a few years back that was a big signing, but the Giants just are not getting lucky these days, but they have been able to put together these teams that have been successful, obviously, uh, not this past season, but the previous season, almost taking down the Dodgers there in the playoffs, were easily in contention for winning that division but they went ahead instead of spending 600 million dollars over the next you know 10 to 12 years on two players they went ahead and got two guys today solid players one being Michael Conforto which obviously a solid player prior to his injuries we'll see what that's going to look like for for two years at 36 mil and then bringing in the Rogers brothers so adding both brothers now adding Taylor Rogers for three years at 33 million the lefty Rodgers uh super excited to see what they can do there so the Giants are starting to have to compile players that are going to put themselves at least in a competitive position obviously they do have a lot of talent uh, especially with the starting rotation they added guys like uh Ross Stripling and Shamanaya so they're they have a, a rotation that is at least solid enough to be able to compete out there but man what a disappointing couple of days there for the Giants uh in regards to what they're going to do for the future any any thoughts there Christian yeah, disappointing for sure, obviously, when you miss out on a player like Correa. But 
what they've been able to do so far and what they even did just this morning um, has been really good for them. I mean, they've bolstered their outfield by signing Conforto today, and we've already talked about them signing Mitch Hanniger, which I think is going to be a big play for them. And then that rotation, too, is pretty solid. I mean, they have Logan Webb still, who is maybe going to be mentioned in an episode closer to the season as a, a prediction for an award winner. Um, so to spoil that, but they, you can't ever sleep on the giants. I mean, they're one of those teams that never really goes away. And with the Dodgers having what they have in their rotation right now, and we might talk about this here in a couple minutes, but, um, who knows what that rotation is going to look like. And if the giants can figure out a way to keep themselves, not falling too far behind San Diego and LA during the course of the season. They could be a scary team down the stretch. And one of those teams that I think some people are already writing off that just kind of comes back and shows everybody that, you know, San Francisco baseball is always going to be around no matter what you think or what their lineup looks like. Absolutely, man. I mean, really after next year. So next year, They'll have they'll lose Peterson, Crawford, Alex Wood, Tommy Listella, and then after that they have everybody for at least a couple more years. Obviously, a ton of arbitration guys, and now adding in some solid pitching and uh, position players to add for their future. So, Giants making some sneaky moves under the table to try and stay afloat. But I mean, really, they're putting themselves in a position to hopefully be able to spend some money uh, here in the next couple of years on some big-time players, uh, some of the farm system guys, Marco Luciano, Kyle Harrison, Luis Matos, uh, some of these guys that are going to be getting up here in the next couple of years, so they're going to now have the time to be able to develop as well. Looking at just some of the other signings across the league, uh, Andrew Benatendi to the White Sox for five years at $75 million, uh, where White Sox fans thought they weren't going to be getting anybody. They got a solid player a guy that is going to be a staple in that lineup here for the next five years. Brandon Jury to the Angels, two years at $17 million. Really excited what the Angels are doing, man. They're just grabbing these guys. They're putting together a solid lineup. People are forgetting about this team, and I'm really interested to see what they can do in 2023. Joey Gallo, one year, $11 million. Really sad to see that he fell off there last year, but glad to see he is getting an opportunity because that dude can put up 35 bombs very, very easily. Justin Turner, Red Sox, two years, $22 million, opt-out after 2023. Interesting with that opt-out. Uh, it's going to be totally dependent, in my opinion, on what happens with, with Devers. So interested to see what happens there. J.D. Martinez, the Dodgers, one year for $10 million, returns with his good friend Mookie, Mookie Betts. A guy who's going to literally the most perfect team possible. This might be the most perfect signing of the entire offseason. Am I wrong? I mean, this is literally like the most, like, this is the team this guy should go to type of thing. J.D. Martinez. Yeah. Yeah, it's I, – I mean, what a what what a plug right there for them. I mean, a, a DH that they kind of need in L.A. right now and is just another bat in the middle of that order that can do a lot of damage. And, yeah, going back with Mookie, I mean, we saw J.D. really shine in Boston when Mookie was there. So to get them two back together – in the lineup is going to be key. And um, who knows how the rest of that Dodgers lineup shapes out over the course of the next couple months um, before April. But yeah, that's a pretty, pretty great, great deal all around. I know I'm not saying it for like, I'm not saying that like 
Now, J.D. Martinez is going to have this, you know, he's the best player in regards to free agency and the best team was the Dodgers. I'm just saying that, like, in reference to the way that he manages his game and the way he manages his play and and his routine and the analytics and video and all these things, like, the Dodgers are the most well-known for this. So really interested to see what that's going to look like for J.D., Michael Brantley to the back to the Astros on a one-year, twelve million, just a solid, one of the most consistent bats in all of baseball. Sadly, got hurt this past year, but I think with that injury and seeing the Strohs win the World Series, I think he's going to have a little bit more motivation going into twenty twenty-three to have another breakout season. Okay, besides the free agency, the biggest news yesterday was Trevor Bauer being reinstated into baseball. Uh, being basically cut in half in regards to his suspension. Things came out about potentially that the arbiter had, you know, basically said that this, you know, is not necessarily the term of suspension that he should have deserved and deserved to to have that obviously, you know, cut in half. And so Trevor Bauer is now back in baseball by January 6th or 7th, I believe. The Dodgers have the choice to either keep him or uh, release him so that he'd go into free agency. Christian, your thoughts on this whole thing? Yeah, so just to look at it at first from the team perspective with the Dodgers, they're in a really interesting spot right here with what they want to do because they do need help in the rotation, and they do have to pay Bauer um, like however much money that contract is. I can't think off the top of my head, but it's a good chunk of change. And for them to have to decide whether they want to keep Trevor Bauer, who has been a very, very dominant pitcher over the last several years of his career, or whether they want to play into the publicity factor of everything and get rid of him um, is going to be an interesting sign, an interesting decision to see what happens with that. And if they do get rid of him to see if anybody is willing to, put him on the roster is going to be interesting as well. Um, you know, I, I, looking at it from Trevor Bauer's perspective, I think that it's great that he's able to come back and be in the big leagues again, possibly as soon as April, um, depending on obviously what the Dodgers do and what another team decides to do um, without getting into, you know, too much, too much detail and too many of my thoughts on, the whole situation, um, I think it's a very sticky situation with how it was handled, especially after looking at the whole process they went through with the, the judicial process and finding out all of these things that came out with the story and how the girl's story ended up being a little bit different in reality than what she told everybody and kind of what the media ran with. Um So from looking at it at that perspective, I think that Trevor Bauer has, you know, served the time that he needed to away from the game and maybe even beyond what should have been any kind of suspension that got handed down to him. Um, And now he gets to come back and we'll see what what the league and what teams decide to do as far as that goes. But overall, I think it's I think it was great for the arbiter to find that hey, he's done what he has to do. Let's get him back into baseball and um, things will play out however they choose to play out. Yeah, because now the Dodgers now have to look at, do we want Noah Syndergaard or do we want Trevor Bauer? Because you got Julio uh, Urias, 
Clayton Kershaw back on that one-year deal, Tony Gosselin, and Dustin May. Walker Buehler is out of the picture here, um, but I'd be interested to know, I, is it now that Trevor Bauer would now have a fully new contract? So right? he, or does he... So he keeps... He's on the last deal of his contract right now, so he'll be okay. a free agent next fall, unless, of course, the Dodgers decide to release him um, here in, what, two weeks? And if they do release him, I mean, they will owe him money unless another team comes in and signs him. Yeah, yeah. Wild topic. Some obviously, you know, can be some sensitive topics there, folks. So we'd rather not necessarily get too in depth in regards to our thoughts with that whole situation. But it is big news and it's really intriguing to see do the Dodgers, what direction are they going to go in? And does any team want to bring this baggage on? We'll see. Finally, looking here at the World Baseball Classic rosters, what I've been so excited about is that the World Baseball Classic, hopefully either championship matchup or maybe even a semifinal matchup, could have one of the best one of the best uh, games that we have ever seen in regards to baseball, and that is with the USA team along with the Dominican Republic. The USA team has the likes of Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Trey Turner, Nolan Arenado, Kyle Tucker, to pitchers like Devin Williams, uh, to Clayton Kershaw, to Logan Webb, to some of these unbelievable arms, to guys like Pete Alonzo, you know, got younger guys like Bobby Witt Jr., of course, guys like JT Real Muto. Looking at the Dominican Republic side, I mean, this is just insane. Starling Marte, Julio Rodriguez, Juan Soto, Jeremy Pena, the World Series MVP from this past year, Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, pitchers like Sandy Alcantara, to Framir Valdez, Christian Javier, Luis Castillo. March 8th to March 21st, when the World Baseball Classic happens, we're going to be doing quite a few recaps of those USA games because we do not have baseball with pro players in the Olympics currently. And so, folks, for for us baseball fans, this is what we have in regards to our Olympics for baseball. I mean, Christian, how excited are you, man? I'm stoked. I think it's going to be so much fun um, to see this World Baseball Classic. And I think they've done a great job at putting this event together over the years. And now that it has the publicity and the recognition that it rightfully deserves, I think now all these big time players are wanting to play and represent their countries. And it's going to be a blast to see. And looking at some of these rosters, too, I mean, holy cow, it is electric yeah so can't tell you how excited we are for that folks obviously they'll be going on during spring training so you know please tune in to those games uh because those guys were in the usa across their chest and were a part of the usa development and youth programs growing up those games and those uh those games against teams like japan or you know korea or against puerto rico dominican republic mexico these are electric matchups, and also, too, we're starting to see some of these other teams come up on the come up from other countries that have started to bring baseball, and, and or baseball has become a much more important sport in reference to their country, going to be electric. Well, folks, we are going to be adding an interview to this podcast here today. Um, one of the finest individuals on social media by the name of Dom. Uh, director of morale for the Chicago Cubs. 
a guy that I've been following for quite some time, a Twitter enthusiast, one of the most passionate baseball fans or or baseball fans, but more importantly, Chicago Cub fans that I've ever seen on Twitter or in reference to social media or any of the interviews he's done. So really excited to bring him on here. Please welcome into the to the Big Fly Pod, the director of morale for the Chicago Cubs, Dom. All right. Well, we are now on to the interview portion of episode 10. We are joined by the director of morale for the Chicago Cubs, or who many people refer to as Ian Happ's best friend. Welcome to the show, Dom. Uh, I know you've had a la- busy last couple of weeks uh, in the Twitter yeah. world, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. It's definitely been, there's been some ups, there's been some downs. I think uh, Cubs fans are still trying to still figure it out. Where do we go from here if there's going to be another move? Um, so we're, we're kind of uh, figuring out where we stand. I don't think everything's great, but I obviously not. it's not all terrible. Um, maybe not as bad as it looked like it might have been uh, a week ago. Yes, yes. And Dom, and for everyone's sake, Dom is on dad duty at this time. So any background noise and and the baby may chime in a little bit on the Dansby move, but we'll have to go from there. So, um, well, Dom, just kind of give it, give us your background, kind of your backstory of really how you became a Chicago Cub fan. Yeah, I mean, I grew up. Uh, I grew up in the area. I've been pretty much have lived here my whole life, other than um, you know a few years in college that was out of state. But I've I've pretty much been here my whole life. I I haven't strayed that far from the federal landmark. Uh, I didn't live directly, you know, across the street, but I was you know a 25, 30 minute drive away, twenty minute on a good day. Um, and, um, in terms of just liking the Cubs, my, my parents, my mom specifically was a Cubs fan. And from there, you know, she took us to the federal landmark for years. And I was someone who loved playing baseball and had brothers that did the same. And that just cultivated a liking to baseball. And then obviously the Cubs, just cause we were local and she had the, she had the, the Cubs fandom in her blood for a long time. Very, very cool, man. And I have to ask. The term Dom or Director of Morale, how did that start and how did that come about? Because it is truly awesome. Uh, organically, I think some people, you know, I think it's funny now because I I am an eternal optimist and I'm a, I'm a positive person at heart. And I really spent most of my time on Twitter, you know, hyping up the Cubs, trying to view the Cubs through a, you know, glass half full mentality, trying to you know, bring fans to understand back in the day before the golden era that the Cubs had a really good thing going on with Chris Bryant coming up and Schwarber and Javi and everyone was like, well, the Cubs are going to be horrible. They're, you know, not spending money and the Theo doesn't know what he's doing. And I uh, tried to get people excited about that. And then that went on and I continue to stay positive and I still continue to stay positive, but now I feel like considering my standard for the team has uh has uh risen because of that and i think all cubs fans have i think some fans say um i don't have the same morale that i used to but i kind of disagree um so it's been something that that came out organically people appreciated it over time people i I don't remember who came up with it but someone did and i just kind of ran with it and it stuck and some people are going to say like i mentioned earlier that 
Uh, I'm too hard on the team. I expect too much. I disagree. I want the Cubs to get back to where they were in 2015, 16, and 17, where we're, you know, really at the top of Major League Baseball. And we were one of the franchises that or, or teams that everyone wanted to beat. We felt like we had the, we had the smartest front office. We had the best players. We had a ownership group that was w- willing to spend money and you know, uh, in terms of being top five in payroll, and and it was awesome, and and that's what I kind of expect today. So that's pretty much the journey of the the moniker, the acronym, whatever you want to call it, and uh, yeah, still going. This is this is actually so I started doing it in 2014. This is my tenth season now. Tweeting Very about cool, man. So it's kind of uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm surprised I've been doing it for this long, but I'm still here. Yeah, and and obviously you started your own clothing company as well with some of the funniest logos and acronyms and and things like that at the Morale uh, Supply as well. I know, when did that start? Was that around the time the Cubs won the World Series, or when did that all get going? After, yeah, no, I wish I I was around when the Cubs won the World Series. No, things would be probably would be a lot different, uh, even though I was tweeting during that time. No, um, I met up with uh, a guy who's now become honestly a really good friend of mine. He's the basically I call him the vice president of morale. Uh, Adam, he, he runs my T-shirt stuff. He runs the website. He if you want to call him an agent, if you want to call him, you know, uh, my right hand man in terms of the stuff I'm doing, he, he kind of, I don't want to say oversees all of it, but he's a guy that I, I lean on heavily considering we do have, well, it's a, you know, mom and pa shop. Like it's, we're no big business at all, but he's a guy that's really helped me. Very um, he cool. He approached man. me 2017. And if you remember, if you remember, we, um, we sold the Theo's League shirts. Uh, that, that was six <laughs> yeah. years ago now, five six years ago now, and I didn't know him at all. And he DM'd me the Theo's League shirt. He came up with it by himself, and he had followed me for a little bit. And he was just like, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And I remember seeing. It, I was like, "Yeah, it's good," but I was like, "I don't think anyone's ever gonna buy it." And I kind of, uh, I kind of big leagued him. I didn't really get back to him and then he just kept on he kept on dming me and tweeting at me and then finally i was like all right i'll you know i'll let me get on the phone with this guy and we we talked we meshed really well his uh, our personalities uh you know blend right together and we've become i would say really good friends over the last five years and uh It's been awesome to work, not only, you know, create stuff, uh, the shirts and everything, but um, work with different charities over the years to try to get back or try to, you know, try to do something positive with it. Um, And and we've been excited about that and hopefully we'll continue to do so in the future. But um, again, it's it's a small time thing, uh, but without someone like Adam, it would have, it would have never been able to do it. If Adam left me right now, I wouldn't be able to do it by myself. So I'm, I'm incredibly uh, thankful for him. And, and whenever someone asks me about it, it's the first thing I bring up. Very cool, man. That's awesome. And I know, obviously, in the world of social media, it is such a wild thing that some of your relationships are obviously built through social media. Companies yeah. can be built through social media. But I have to ask kind of a question I was thinking about earlier today. Picture this. If social media isn't a thing... How is Dom becoming Dom still? Oh, man, that's a great question. 
I mean, there, I, I think for people that have, I think for people that have followed me for a while, I think many know when I'm being facetious or I'm trolling or I'm being serious or it's a running <laughs> joke or it's a, like a made dick. Um, I feel like I blurred the lines to where people now don't have any idea. And there's some people that just think I'm, you know, bananas, which might be true, but very well might be true. Um, I don't know. I like, I, I think a lot of the stuff I do is my own personality, but I also like to, I also like to kind of make fun of myself and make fun of like a ridiculous, uh, meatball fan. I just people that I've known in the past, it would probably come out from me just, going to the federal landmark and just talking to random people around me and whether I'm, I'm being serious or I'm joking, uh, I get a kick out of it. And that's, that's really what I do on social media. I try, I am, I, like I said, people know when I'm being serious, but then there's times where I'm, I'm not trying to be serious at all. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to joke around and I'm saying, yeah, dear Molina is one of the you know most overrated athletes of all time, <laughs> all that type of stuff, which he is. Um, it, 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 it would just come out from just being around people being, I don't know, hanging out at a bar, restaurant, friends that I've grown up with, you know, uh, you, you have your debates with your, your friends on sports and that's probably wh- where it would have came out with. If it wasn't for Twitter, uh, I, I don't know if a lot of people would have known about me, not saying a whole lot of people do. Um, but, uh, it, it I, I still would be doing the same thing. I, I don't do it for. I mean, sure. I think everyone likes to get impressions on Twitter and retweets and, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I really am doing it to try to make myself laugh. And uh, and with the following, I've found a lot of people that enjoy that, but also give me insight that I had not known before regarding Cubs baseball or Chicago or whatever it may be. Um, and I've really appreciated that. And I feel over the last Again, this will be 10 seasons. I feel like I've grown through Twitter as crazy as that sounds because Twitter can be such a ridiculous and wild place like you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. So there, there's, some, there's some positives to it, and um, that's one reason that keeps uh, bringing me back here. It, there's, there's some, you know, once you get through the, the mess and the just people that absolutely hate your guts and, and, and all of that, I, there's some good – and I feel like I've built some relationships through this app and, you know, just talking to people on Twitter spaces or talking to people, meeting them in person, playing golf with them. I've just, I've really appreciated that. And um, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun. So I, 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 I took you on a, a wild ride to answer that question, but uh, those are my honest thoughts. Well, yeah, I, I think you would be the guy that be you know out in front of the federal landmark. And folks, if we if you don't know what the federal landmark means, first off, I I, I feel bad for you, but it is Wrigley Field that we are referencing. But it's what Dom has really in, like instilled into the culture of what his Twitter account has developed into. Check out his website; we'll bring it up there at the end of the show. But just some of the funniest terms I've ever heard, um, and it. gear that I'll be buying here in the next couple some of weeks. Some people hate it. Some people, I mean, there's. I know, I know. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, uh, man, it's so interesting. Um, it's so interesting the amount. I, I don't know. There's like, there's a great, like I said earlier, there's a great thing about it because you can connect with more people and you can learn more about those around you and you can learn more about Cubs fans. And problem is, the bigger you get, though, there's the more people that are gonna hate you and think you're crazy and think you're ridiculous and think you're whatever. Um, and that's just that's just part of the game. 
The Twitter fingers are are firing more and more these days. So yes, that is definitely a thing. Now let's let's talk a little bit about the Cubs because I want to go into Cubs and I also want to talk sort of where the MLB is going. But looking at yeah. the Cubs, a question that I I thought of earlier: What moves would you have done differently after the World Series in 2016? After what you have seen has transpired up till December 23rd, 2022. I think there's two. I think there's two simple moves, and uh, I'm not saying it would have changed everything. And I know it's easy to say hindsight's 2020, especially when you know you can spend as much money as you want. Uh, but I think you know the Verlander. I'm sorry, the Jose Quintana over a potential Justin Verlander trade. Really, you know, I don't want to say set us back, but it, 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 it's a missed opportunity. And I'm not saying Justin Verlander becomes the same Justin Verlander like he did in Houston after his time in Detroit, but you can see how his time in in, in Houston basically skyrocketed that franchise. And when you have an ace for five years, that's a six, you know, F war pitcher and, and takes the ball every day and, and pitches in big games and strikes guys out like, there's there's a reason why those guys get paid forty million dollars a year, mm-hmm. uh, and then and then simply to extend on to what the the core four was, it's it's the Bryce Harper Manny Machado offseason. You know, I, I think that's a time where you had two guys at twenty six years old, you knew and and were very public about the fact that you couldn't pay all the guys, or if you know you were wanting to continue this on, you'd have to pay someone. And that was uh, that was a big mistake because at the time you had two superstars that if you wanted to pick one guy over the other, they're still playing at an incredibly high level. And if you looked at the deals right now, it's an absolute steal for what they're giving uh, their respective franchises in San Diego and Philadelphia. So those are the two things. I mean, we, obviously you saw it. Ended up keeping nobody. Uh, Jose Quintana was a, what? How you want to call it, Tyler? A three or a four on the Cubs, right? Like, <laughs> Nothing, no. nothing crazy to write home about. And if you want to be, if you want to be the top franchise, you got to make top moves. It's just, yep. it's that simple. You, you can't, you can't mess around, and you can't just hope that uh, you're you're going to catch lightning in a bottle like you did with Jake Arrieta every single time you make a, a decision. Like you gotta, you gotta go after the big names. And um, we've we've seen, frankly. How that's kind of burned the Cubs over the last couple of years. Now I know we just got Dansby, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to want to talk about it. But there's consequences for every move, and and there's consequences for consequences for every decision you don't make. And I think, in my opinion, uh, th- those are two things that that really hurt us um, going back whatever it was four or five years ago. Yeah, because honestly, too, when I look back at those moves with trading away Cease and Eloy. And obviously what those two guys have turned into. And now I know Eloy has been this just hilarious kind of situation with him in regards to how many damn injuries he's gotten and basically how much of a clown he is in the outfield. But he's still a bat that you can add in and have in a situation in the playoffs or during the regular season where he can be an impact bat. And, of course, Dylan Cease being now an AL Cy Young guy. Now, what I will ask, though, is – do you think Theo was looking for what where where we are now, or do you think he was looking for then because he knew that he was leaving? So you're are you you're asking that he 
he was he was focused on the immediate future of the Cubs. Are you, are you thinking more? Was he focused on like the current state of the Cubs? I I personally think, and I I believe that Theo is the greatest general manager in the history of baseball based on what he's done with the Red Sox and Cubs. I, I know that's too. a bold claim. It's a bold claim. But yeah. I think that when I'm looking at what happened with that trade and what Jose Quintana's value was going to be to the organization moving forward, oh, I, see. I, see. I just, in my personal opinion, Dom, it felt as if, hey, I'm, I know when I'm leaving and I have to make this move now to see if I can really make this truly the legacy that is that no one ever thought could be done versus, oh, I could you know hold on to Cease and Eloy, and then when I oh. leave, they're going to be in a better position. Oh, well, see, see Tyler, I, I look at it a little bit differently. I'm, if you told me right now you could have traded Cease and Eloy for Justin Verlander back in 2017, I'm making that trade every day. Like, Great point. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. So it's not a matter of me giving up those two guys. It's a matter of they just picked the wrong guy. And, uh, like, you know, Justin Verler gets traded. I think he got traded a couple days before Quintana did. From the um, Tigers, right? From the yeah, Tigers, yeah. too. So it's, yep. it's, not, it's not a matter of giving up those guys. Like, you're going to give up good play. You're going to give up good prospects to get good major league players. And I know at the time Justin had kind of a speed bump in uh, Detroit. Um, but I, I just think he picked the wrong guy, honestly. Like, I, and I agree with what you're saying. Like, I, I need to make a move. I need to keep this rocket ship going. Uh, and that's why I think, personally, Theo left um, at the end of 2020. Because that 2019 offseason, he's gearing up to go get Bryce Harper or Manny Machado. And basically, the Ricketts family pulled the uh, carpet out from under him. And saying, oh, no, uh, no money's left. We're done. The whole biblical losses thing comes out. The whole we don't have money, all that type of stuff comes out. That's why we're, the, 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 the wound is it's still, infuriating. Uh, the, the wound is not healed from that, uh, obviously, even though we signed Andrew Swanson. My my wound is, has not healed from that. Uh, For and, sure. And obviously that was the first sign where probably it's either the first sign or the first initial thought where Theo's like, oh, okay, I, I see how this is going to be. Yep. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and and that was history. That was history. The Cubs end up doing basically nothing for two off seasons in a row. Um, Theo leaves after the COVID year. Bad news gets traded. Uh, Schwarber gets cut for nothing, and we've you know been in a similar situation since. And it's not yeah. where I want to be, but um, I like you said earlier. I think Theo's the greatest, one of the greatest general managers of all time. It was his league when he was here. He made mistakes, but man, he made some really good decisions. And you can't take away the you know awesome results he had here in in Chicago. It's hard to still think about the fact that too, when during those last couple of years after they won the World Series, you had the Brandon Morrow issues, you had the Addison Russell issues, where yep. now he's in Mexico. KB gets yep. injured all the time. COVID. Yep. Rizzo's having to put everything on his back. Javi isn't necessarily developing the the from the contact and other aspects of the game. I mean, it really was killer. And I wouldn't trade anything based on the fact that we finally got the World Series and now, you know, 2005 for the White Sox seems like a very, very long time ago. Oops, I said it. But it is the case of where it is now. And so we'll see. We'll see if Jed's got it. But let's go into that. I mean, speaking of Dansby, speaking of Jed, speaking of the future. Yeah. 
the Cubs, I, I, you're, if you look at your Twitter, it is, it is an emotional roller coaster. I will tell you that because it's hilarious. One, but two, <laughs> I think it just shows that like there are there are aspects of the off season that where it is, where is this truly going? And, yeah. and honestly, thank God they signed Dansby because if they didn't, Lord knows what could have happened from there. But for now, have the Cubs done enough for the current moment? And if you don't believe so. What moves would you have liked to them do? Let's say besides the major players, you know, let's say they couldn't. Let's pull out any of the shortstop because now they have Dansby. Yeah. What other moves do you sense that was going to be key for their future? I mean, I I tweeted it and I was I was shocked at the um, the varying responses that I got. I think that, I think right now you, you have to get on a private plane. I think Ian's in Chicago right now. Uh, maybe you can drive down the street uh, to get to his apartment or his condo and and then fly out to uh, wherever Nico Horner's at right now and get, in, uh, get an extension done. I, I, think it, I think it comes down to that because we could very easily find ourselves I – mean, let's be honest, Tyler. Trey Mancini ain't getting the job done. Uh, not, no. not where we need it to be, right? Like, no. If you if you're if you're telling me Michael Conforto, I can buy into that. All right, I can buy into Michael Conforto having a rebound year, and you have a legit four hitter and all that type of stuff. Trey Mancini's not doing it. We know Tucker Barnhart's not doing it. We know that Cody Bellinger, in my opinion, is one year away from not being a big leader anymore. Um, the the list goes on and on in terms of the deals that I mean, Jamison Tyon's a three or a four, like solid pitcher, right? But Mm-hmm. I mean, we could find ourselves in a situation come July where if these things don't go right, um, we find ourselves in a, a three years in a row of trading away to some of our top players. And and that's what kind of worries me because there's no guarantees. I mean, I, yeah, we signed Dansby Swanson, but we could be – I mean, think about all the bad teams that have signed big players and it doesn't work out and then everyone's mm-hmm. like – See, this is why you don't spend all that stupid stuff because it's it's dumb and and you should spend money for on your team if you want to be good. Um, but I'm going to Ian Happ and I'm giving him the number that he wants. I think that's a that's a concern that that I don't want to speak for him, but I think there's a concern that the Cubs won't meet that number and haven't shown they're going to meet that number. And I'm assuming that Nico Horner is probably the priority over Ian just because of years that are left and he's a younger player and all that type of stuff, a better defender. Uh, but those are the two guys I'm, I'm locking up because you have to, if we think about it, you know, who's part of the team moving forward? It's it's Nico, it's Saya, and yeah, Tyone. Field, yep. Right? Like Tyone? Yeah. Like, yeah, that's a core, but it's like it's not a it's not a core, you know. And mm-hmm. it's like it's a group of good players, but it's not like Dansby's a Dansby can be a very good player. I don't think Dansby's a great player. I think Dansby got a I think he got a solid contract. I think the the deal is fair, but he's he could very well be he could very well have a way to runs created plus below a hundred this year, and and mm-hmm. you know he could still be a productive guy. But there's that that's on the table. So it's like if we're if we're in that situation and we don't have Ian locked up and we you know Stroman could opt out next year and Bellinger's on a one year deal it's like well what what do we really got so uh, you know I, I I'm locking in Ian and Nico just to set the standard of what we have moving forward and if those if specifically if Ian Happ is not like if if that's not a priority right now I don't know why he wouldn't be on the market. 
because if, if they're basically saying if there are if there are thoughts that they can't the Cubs can't meet Ian's number, I don't know why we're messing around and, and not putting Ian on the trade market. I listen, Ian's my guy. I obviously support him, but I just don't I, I feel like there's a disconnect um, without trying to shop him a little bit. And they very well might be, but like his value is the highest it's ever been. And if you're not going to, if you're not going to, you know, sign the guy, this is, you know, three years in a row where we've seen the same thing play out. So um, I don't, that that's, that's the move I think that has to be made. And, uh, you know, obviously Dansby's a, a good signing. It's a, it's a positive signing, but I don't think it's a franchise changing signing. I don't think it's a John Lester signing. John Lester was, I mean, John Lester was, John Lester, you know what I mean, Tyler? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that, that's the best way to explain it. He's the guy that takes the ball, pitches in big games. I know Dansby's won a World Series, and I know Dansby it, it has uh, many people have talked about his leadership qualities, but I don't think he has the same cachet as a guy like John Lester Reeves. I just, I just don't think that's the case. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think they, I think they missed opportunities not going after other free agents that have obviously signed already. Um, and we could, you know, I don't want to, I, I, listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to a cup season. I'm looking forward to a positive cup season. I think, I think they have a better, I think they have a better chance to be uh, a much better pitching staff this year, just based upon the guys they brought in and the guys they have coming back. But I don't think that necessarily lends itself to being a, at least at this moment right now, you know, December 23rd, that leads us to be, uh, playoff favorites or playoff contenders just yet because I think there's a lot of holes on the roster and if you just look at the lineup uh, Nico uh, Nico Hap say uh, Dansby it's a uh, it's a uh, okay I mean it's a good okay you know top four guys in your lineup but it's not like it's not it's not like big time all-star caliber players there yeah, yeah, and and what scares me too is I hope Jed doesn't look at the Cubs like Theo did in reference to the players that were on the come up made all those moves a lot more sense and made those free yeah. agents feel like they're going into something that is going to be a really valuable future, which obviously it turned out to be. Now I hope that Dansby is in the situation and made it clear hopefully to these guys. And I hope they do come through that. This is about winning. And if we're going to win, we do probably need to bring in some guys Um, because the guys in the farm system, don't get me wrong, are solid players, guys that I am so excited to watch like Pete Armstrong, Brennan Davis, Owen Cassie, Kate Horton, Ed Howard. But at the end of the day, you looked at what happened with the Cubs in 2014 in 2015, where it was like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, we get Addison Russell in the trade, which still don't know how the hell that happened. Um, yeah. Some of these other guys, like Schwarber, Schwarber and so it's, Rizzo, I mean, uh, it's tough, Tyler, man. Tyler, trust me, man. Tyler, this is my, ex- this is mine and, and all other Cubs fans existence. It's the reality. I don't mean to cut you off. It's the reality. Sure. That, it's the reality of we are rebuilding this time, but we don't have anywhere close to the talent that we used to. And that's just the reality of it. And, yeah. and, we're, and we're in a position now, I know you mentioned, you know, Major League uh, Baseball landscape as a whole. We're in a position now where you are simply not going to get the top-notch talent that um, that you would expect unless you are trading a Juan Soto or a, 
you know, Tatis or, you know, a young generational talent, which the Cubs don't have. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of leads me into the next next segment that I have here for you, brother. It's into the world of baseball now. And there's been a really interesting question asked around that off the top of the cuff, you would think, yeah, 100% would be the answer. But for what it's going to do for baseball, I think it's very interesting. Do you think what Steve Cohen has done for baseball is a good thing? And if you do, do you think it's good for short-term, long-term? Like, you know, do you see this being an issue for the future? Because I think it really is an interesting topic in reference to where baseball has been and, like, how legitimately this guy is going to have $111 million in luxury taxes that we have never even sniffed before in baseball. And anyone that's gone over the luxury tax has been looked has been frowned upon. So I'd just be interested to hear your take on that. Well, I mean, I think it directly relates to, you know, our existence as Cubs fans. I, I, you know, I know I give Jed a hard time. Um, but I give the Ricketts family a harder time because of how they've handled the team. And I know they just wrote a, you know, $177 million check for one player and I commend them for that. Um, but it, Steve Cohen has opened Pandora's box. He has pulled, uh, you know, pulled the curtain away to really show that things are, things are available for teams to do financially. And now listen, Trust me, in four years, it could look really bad. I'm not going to lie. Like, you have yeah. Thor, you got Correa. Uh, there's there's other guys that, you know, after four years, it might not look the same. Talk about having, you know, you could have three, four guys making $30 million at 37 years old. That that probably doesn't suit well. I, I to, to give some of the people credit in, in terms of not wanting to spend all the money, I do think it makes sense to kind of stagger it out. Um, But listen, I think in terms of how it affects, obviously, Major League Baseball, Cubs fans as well, it just creates a larger gap between where the Padres are, the Mets are, the Yankees are, you know, the Dodgers are, even though they're not super active this offseason, and what the Cubs are. And I, I, I've always believed and I still believe today that the Cubs should be top five in payroll consistently. I understand there's going to be years like 2021 and, and last year where obviously um, there was a different priority in terms of what the season was going to be. But I think there is a there there has to be some type of standard met in terms of what's being put out on the field on a consistent basis. And listen, I, I think as years go on, I think more and more fans are going to see that the Ricketts family, if if we're being honest, they they are treating the they're treating the team like a like a real estate investment or any portfolio asset that you know a, a wealthy person has, and they're trying to find their return on investment. And however they're going to do that, they're going to make sure that gets done. And if it means that they're going to cut from the the team for a couple of years, multiple years, and not dip into free agency and only pay Daniel Descalso a, a major league <laughs> for multiple off seasons in a row, then they are going to do that. And it might take another go around. I mean, Tyler, let's, let's be honest, man. Like, like I said before, 2023 could go bad. I, I would say there's a better chance if it going really bad than really good. And I know that's a negative way of looking at it, but like, we got to be honest about ourselves where the roster is right now. 
Um, and if it is, then I think a lot of Cubs fans are going to, you know, obviously appreciate that they spent the, spent more money this offseason. But like I said before, the standards raised. And, and this next offseason won't be any different. Like, next offseason, we're going to be like, hey, we need an ace already. And if the Cubs don't get an ace, and if they just found themselves in a, a lucky situation where Dansby Swanson's grandfather, God bless the guy, was a Cubs fan and wanted Dansby to be a Cubs fan, it doesn't always work that way. And, you know, they have to prove consistently that you have to spend the money. You have to be able to close. You have to be able to get big names uh, into the federal landmark. You, ha- you have to do all these things. And if Steve Cohen can do it with the Mets, and granted, it, like I said, it may backfire. But if he can do it with the Mets and he can spend, you know, just a ridiculous amount in a timely manner and be aggressive and be and have incredible intent with what he's doing and, and pounce on a deal like Correa literally 12 hours after the press conference was canceled, then why can't the Ricketts family do the same thing? And I know Steve Cohen, you know, is valued, uh, has, has much more money um, than the Ricketts family, but I, I just think the Cubs are an absolute cash cow with unlimited, with, uh, I know Chet always says finite resources, but close to infinite resources considering how much money this organization brings in. I just think that the standard uh, of this team needs to be held higher. And, and I'm appreciative for people like Steve Cohen that are, you know, opening up the curtain and opening up Pandora's box to really show, you know, what can be done in this game. Yeah, it it's is. Not getting, it's not, it's not going to get any cheaper. Let's no, it is not. Cheaper. Ian Happ's going to make a hundred million dollars next year. And who would have thought after 20, after the start of 2021, where everyone's bagging on me because the morale blend wasn't working and Ian, you know, a uh, hundred with like, you know, two homers and he's striking out 50% of the time. Who would have thought from like two years later, you know, whatever, how many months it is that Ian Happ will be pretty much slated to be guaranteed 75 to $120 million in the 2022, 2023 offseason. No one would say that. It's the Harper contract now looks low. Right, it's that. Low. It's unbelievable. Is he twenty eight? Dude, I think he's like maybe like twenty nine. Yeah, twenty eight, yeah. twenty nine, and he's going to be yeah. making below any of these guys that just. It's crazy, and I it's, listen. I'm. I want Ian to get paid. I want these guys to get paid. They deserve it. They've grinded through the minor leagues. They've grinded through, you know. Uh, minimums uh major league minimums and arbitration and all that stuff they deserve to get paid and if ian like wilson Contreras, say hey you're not gonna you're not gonna negotiate with me you're not gonna do this i'm going somewhere else i'm not gonna blame them for it it's just again i i think one signing of dansby swanson doesn't you know fix everything it doesn't make everything better it doesn't change the fact that uh we're still whatever it is 12th in payroll like I think fans can put it together. When you shed payroll, you have opportunity to just make that up in terms of what you gave away. So, um, I, I again, I, I think some fans don't see it that way. But um, I'll say this, Tyler, for maybe the, the longer you're on social media, I think there are a lot of Cubs fans out there that did not go through the first uh, core four, that didn't go through the, the golden era of Cubs baseball. And now this is – what their golden era is going to be. And they're more optimistic to the fact that PCA is going to be a stud and Brennan Davis doesn't have a back problem at 22 years old and, and all these different types of things. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Just a different perspective. It is also too, where 
it, yeah, and and the Cubs might be hiding a lot of it too by now posting videos of all these minor leaguers and all these guys coming up. Which again, they, they're going to look great, but I prefer the days where it's WGN. And now you know, while the Cubs don't have money, quote unquote, Marquee Network is you know absolutely spoiling with money. So. I'm really interested to see, man, it, it, what happens in regards to where baseball goes. I love how you tied that in with what's going to happen in regards to the Cubs because the Cubs are in a similar situation for a lot of other teams um, because of the fact that you now have these owners and these teams that are at the top tier, and then you really have a lot of garbage in the middle. And oh, yeah. uh, it's really just a lot of people are like, oh, you know, these large contracts and this or that. Well, large contracts or better players entice other better players to come play. And at yeah. the end of the day, that is going to be the case. And I, I agree well, with you there. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer to the NBA model, like where I think, you know, if – which honestly, I, I'm still kind of surprised that Dansby signed here. Like, unless he and I'm not. Listen, I'm not like. Listen, the federal landmark, Wrigleyville, Chicago. There, there's nothing better than it. But I think, with how we've seen the landscape of free agencies change, and I think there's more transparency now than ever, um, in terms of what ownership can do and 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 all that type of stuff. I just think. The Padres, the Dodgers, the teams that are really showing like they're going for it. I, I just wouldn't be surprised that every single top free agent says like, all right, I have like four or five teams that I'm really only looking at because I know they're actually trying to win. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to just play for a team and, and get paid and, and be a, a sideshow uh, on a team that's not going to compete in the future. I, you know, I, I was thinking about it this morning. You know who we haven't heard from in a while? And I know, I know, he didn't really play, Chris Bryant. Like, like what, like what's Chris Bryant? What's Chris Bryant's legacy moving forward? Like, obviously, great time as a Cub, but he's going to be forgotten about in Colorado. They're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball in 2023. They can't get it right for you know uh, the the altitude reasons. They can't figure out the pitching, and you know, I look at Chris Bryant as a guy that he's going to go play there, and and we're just going to forget about him. He's going to be like the Nolan Arenado Jr. Whether he plays good or not, like I, I just kind of feel bad. And it was—it's his decision. He got paid. You know, he's—he's he's at a spot where he wanted to be. But like, I just don't feel like—I don't feel like other big leaguers are going to make the same decision that Chris made and just take the money and run. Um, and I'm, I don't mean it to—I don't mean it to sound like that. But you understand what I'm saying? It's like thousand percent, for, man. You want to play for a winning team. You want to play for a team that's serious, or do you want to play for, you know, a mid to small market franchise that will pay you, but not really invest the rest of their time there? And if the the Rockies go on to win a World Series and become a successful team, please run this back, and and I'll use this. <laughs> I'll be honest about it all, but I just don't see that happening, and I don't see our, I don't find our, I don't think we'll find ourselves in a situation where we're you know, watching Chris Bryant highlights every night on sports center or, or watching it on MLB tonight because the, the Rockies are tearing it up. I just, I just think he's going to be a forgotten about player for the next six years. And that's kind of sad considering the trajectory he was on uh, here in Chicago. Yeah. It scared me. It was hilarious too, to me when people were saying like Rizzo was going to come back to Chicago and I, any person that I spoke to, I had an argument with because I said, look, 
at the end of the day, any of these players, when they get sent somewhere where they're in a better situation, whether whether that being from the being able to get more playing time or more importantly, to be able to be winning at the end of the day, emotional connections are thrown out the window and it is what it is. And I think for guys that end up going to some of these larger market teams at the end of the day, that's why they, they're going to stay with them for as long as they want it, You know, from, you know, I think about, for example, like Freddie Freeman, you know, he goes from yeah. Atlanta to LA and obviously was super emotional the day he went back to Atlanta, but I think he went back and said, well, I'm still in a good situation. I got nothing to worry about. While, you know, a lot of these players, like you talk about Ian Happ, like if the Cubs don't really show anything, like they, they shouldn't deserve to keep him. And they should, yeah, they, they just don't. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, man, I, I, I really hope that the Cubs resign those guys. And I hope that the future of baseball is looked at as this is an investment for a team that you need to be a fan of and you hope to win because there are too many organizations right now that are just so sad to watch. I actually live out here in Colorado, Dom. Um, um, So I see this firsthand out here where it is the hardest thing in the world to watch a team that legitimately has guys in the field that one, nobody's heard of two that nobody really sees as a future. And then you see a guy like Chris Bryan who never really plays. It's the saddest thing in the world, and I really hope the Cubs don't become that. And, man, I, I, it's just the – I know. It, it's it, Just thinking about it makes you feel just really mad and pissed off and negative about everything. But at, there's a certain point where, like I, I started off talking to you about this, like I, I want to be optimistic about the Cubs. I want to be positive about the Cubs. But if I just did that all the time, I think, and many people accuse me of this early on, I'm just a homer that is not telling the truth and not, you know, being honest about what I see, or I'm just an idiot and I have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, and that's why I think people like get confused or get frustrated when, when people speak out about the state of the Cubs. And I think it's very valid right now. You know, I hope, listen, I hope they can make a trade or they can. Yeah, sign Mancini or find a way to get, you know, a, a solid roster together. But the way it's constructed right now, it, it's just not – it's not it. It's not it. And and we could we could find ourselves in a situation where the, the pitching staff is incredible and Justin Steele takes that next step and he's a true ace and, and Stroman's the number two that you, you paid for and Kyle Hendricks finds a way to, you know, rejuvenate himself and Tyon is like a stud that – gets even better here with the, the pitch lab and Breslow and Hadaby and the Cubs pitching infrastructure. Uh, I'm not saying that can't happen, but a lot of things have to have to fall your way. And I feel like this is the first season that we're going into as Cubs fans. Like I felt like over the last couple of years, you know, 2021, I, you know, you do like the, you do your, the podcast and people are like, all right, what's your projection? I'd be like, 85, right? I feel like I was at 85 the last two years, and I feel like if nothing else gets done, I'd say if we break 80, I think it would be a positive. Just from, yeah. you know, you're losing Contreras, and, and it's I, I find it so interesting how many people just think that losing a, uh, losing a top player, uh, regardless of what their defensive metrics were, isn't going to matter at all. <laughs> um We'll see how that plays out, but if you're if you're replacing them with Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart, two guys that could be playing for the you know Windy City Thunderbolts in the Frontier <laughs> League, um, I just don't I just don't know how, how you don't think that there could be a 
there could be an issue behind the plate this year. So we'll see. I know, I know I took that full circle, but, um, no, I, dude, I, this was awesome, I, man. Oh no. Yeah. I appreciate your feet. I appreciate your feedback. Just, uh, being, uh, in Colorado and, and seeing that firsthand because a lot of, a lot of people don't see the, 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 the Oakland's, the, the Tampa Bay's, even though they found success, the, I mean, in our own division, the Pittsburgh Pirates, one of my best friends from college is a diehard Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And I just, I text him all the time. I'm like, dude, I don't know how you do it. I, I don't know. I, how. I don't know you how. Know the point where I was like, would you still be a Pirates fan if they changed ownership but left Pittsburgh? And he was like, no. And I was like, you're absolutely out of your mind. I don't know how you can root for this team. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's just brutal. It's just brutal. And that's the reality of of, of major league baseball and and it's why you know maybe maybe it's never going to happen but if you had a true salary cap league you, you'd find yourself in a, in a place where you could go worse to first like you can in football or you, you know you can you can find a way to have a uh you know greater competitive balance within the league uh, but obviously that's not the case because of the structure that uh the the teams have to play within Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, I know you got a baby to get back to. I know you got your life to get back you know to. What? I know you got you know, Twitter Tyler to get back fell, to. He fell asleep while I'm talking. Wow. Wow. With him. I, I, I walked him around while we were talking. I've been walking around my living room, and he fell asleep way too early. So we got to find a way to. He, him, he saved himself him a lot of. Get, yeah, change him and get him in his bedtime clothes and put him to bed because he is passed out. That's awesome, dude. That is awesome, dude. Well, hey, everyone, um, if you want to go follow Dom, follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Dom, D-O-M underscore Frederick, F-R-E-D-E-R-I-C. Also, too, please give a follow to his clothing company, which has some of the most hilarious shirts if you're a Cubs, Bears, or just generally looking for funny shirts to have at Morale Supply Co. Finally, follow his podcast at the Morale Clubhouse on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And, folks, I will leave you with one more as to why you should follow this man on Twitter. And I know you probably didn't know I was going to bring this up. His most recent tweet here in the last two hours. Keegan Thompson throwing a negative 40 wind chill today at the federal landmark. There's a reason why he's the junkyard dog. Some guy by the name of Cassius says, do they not have anywhere indoors to throw? Dom responds, a junkyard dog watches the yard 24-7-365, doing whatever has to be done for the property. If that means he's got to close out a game, start another one days later, or have to watch the federal landmark in sub-zero temperatures, that's what Keegan Thompson will do. That's what he does. Like, he's just an absolute grinder. He's tougher than $2 West Texas State, and it's why I'm fired. Listen, for you know what? This is this is why we do this, Tyler. For all the for all the negatives that I just talked about with the team, you still have some absolute grinders on the pitching staff this year. Justin Steele's an absolute dog. Keegan Thompson is uh, is a junkyard dog. Uh, Strowman wants to be here, and, and, and we could find ourselves in a situation where we're shutting guys down, and we're proving that the St. Louis Cardinals have, albeit some good players, but they have some old players, and we got some young guns coming over here trying to, you know, uh, put the Cardinals to sleep in 2023. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that, and uh, I appreciate the shout-out and the time, and uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. Absolutely, Dom. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Please go follow Dom on all his social media, and uh, looking forward to chatting you 
chatting with you all again here soon.